0: Thanks for tuning in to Witch Wednesdays with Steph for a chat about a new witchcraft topic every Wednesday morning. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph and you are listening to episode 87, Spell Planning. And I have a guest with me today, and it is a voice that you are familiar with because she has appeared here before. We talked about shadow work, and that is Fauna from Cat's Tea and Witchcraft podcast. So I'm going to let her remind you guys who she is and where you can find her online. Hi, everybody. Um,
1: if you haven't heard the other episode that we have done together and Steph has also been on my podcast before. So we've kind of been doing this back and forth uh, episode thing. It's been a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, you can find me at my podcast, uh, Cat's Teen and Witchcraft. It's on all the major like podcasts, streaming, Google, Apple, Spotify, and a couple other ones that if you just Google the podcast name itself, it pops up. Um, but uh same concept of a podcast go over witchcraft topics i have a more wiccan based tradition but i also talk about non-wiccan based stuff um but if you ever want to find me you can just google the podcast itself or on twitter it's at cat's tea and witch on instagram at cat's tea and witchcraft and an email is cat's tea witchcraft podcast at gmail.com
2: and she is really great at again tackling beginner questions um if you have anything that we talk about and you need a little more wiccan perspective in there she is a great resource to turn to um yeah. if it's something that i can't answer i think for both of us when we started studying a lot of the books that were available at the time kind of mixed uh wicca and witchcraft mm-hmm. i know that was a problem for me when i Started, um, so I do have some Wicca knowledge, but it's not something that I continued in. So when it's you know questions about what's going on in the you know Wicca world today, I don't really know because I mm-hmm. haven't yep. kept up with that side of the study. So if yep. Wicca is something that interests you, uh, I think Kona would be a great resource for you to ask any questions to. Yep,
1: anyone can send me a message or send me an email. I usually respond pretty quickly on social media. Email might take me a couple days to get through, um, but yeah, if you guys have any questions specifically, I'll try my best to answer them.
2: So today we were going to talk specifically about spell planning, because this is something that I've gotten questions about, especially in the format of how this podcast has been set up, where it's kind of, you know, step-by-step and building upon it. And I've talked about, you know, moon phases and we just had the Zodiac signs episode and how all of those things can relate to one specific spell. I get a lot of beginners being like, well, wait a minute. How do I plan from start to finish? Like what, um, do I, you know, tools and supplies do I decide to use? Like, am I supposed to pick a day of the week and a sun sign and a moon sign and the time of the day and all the weather and everything else like that just seems like too much. And I agree that it is, (laughs) it really can be overwhelming. And there's a lot of things. So we are going to go over you know, a couple of those things that you can think about and then specifically talk about what each of us do when we are planning, what we're going to do as a spell from start to finish. Cause it can be really overwhelming very quickly. <laughs> and the first thing that I wanted to say is that I believe for this reason, it's really important to write things down. I know that it feels like school and really, really don't like having to take notes Like we're in class again, um, and it's supposed to be a fun hobby, but I think that writing down your spell planning is such a great tool and resource because you are not going to remember everything that you did, especially when you are doing multiple spells. Some of them may overlap in timing and you're just not going to remember all of the little details. So how are you going to be able to go back and look and see what worked and what did not
1: Yeah. Writing in general in witchcraft is really important. And it doesn't even be like full sentences or paragraphs. You could literally just do bullet journaling. And this works great for spells too, because there are just little things you're thinking of, oh, a list of this and a list of that. And then you combine them together.
2: Exactly. So book of shadows, grimoire, or even if you just are taking notes in a tiny journal, you can do it online. There's apps for it, or just in a word document that you have saved someplace, just keeping notes, I think is a great. If you're idea. out and about or at
1: work too, like if you just have sticky notes, there's so many times I'm thinking of things in the middle of the day and I'll just write it on a sticky note and like shove it in my purse or my backpack to remember for later.
2: <laughs> and then you have like 40 sticky notes.
1: Yeah. It usually clumps up at some point. And then you're like, which, which one does I write the other day for this?
2: <laughs> uh, so the first sort of few things that I wanted to mention are a couple of um, I think important questions to ask yourself when you aren't even beginning the spell planning process. Cause I think a, a lot of people start with, okay, I need this sort of spell or, you know, maybe it's a love spell. So therefore I need rose quartz and I need this. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, before you start picking out all of your little supplies, which is definitely the fun part, your, your candle colors and your crystals that you're going to use is a lot of fun, but I think you need to back up even further than that uh, and figure out exactly what the spell is that you're doing and why. Uh, So specifically, I always ask myself, what is my aim with this spell and what is it very specifically that I want to manifest? Mm -hmm. And I think the more specific that you can be, uh, the more the universe can deliver because it understands what you want. And I think that it helps you yourself understand what you want. If you can um, say that you were describing it in detail to a friend, um, just do that work and describe it to yourself of exactly what you want to manifest in detail, even if it's small details and it seems silly and stupid. I think the more clear that you can be with yourself, the more clear you're going to be with the universe.
1: Yeah. Cause knowing that this is where this intention comes in. And like you said, almost treat as if you're talking to a friend or the universe or just someone that you're working with, because if you're too vague, it's not going to understand, or do you even understand, but if you're too detailed, you don't want to go overboard either because spells don't always need to be ridiculously complicated. They just need to get to the point.
2: Yes. We've talked about that on this podcast before, specifically with the example of money, that if you don't have an intention for your prosperity spell, then and you just say, I want, I want abundance and I want to, you know, find some money, then finding a penny on the ground is technically that spell manifested. Well, yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably not what you intended in going through all that work of casting a money spell, but because you were not specific enough in that intention, then that the universe was like, well, I delivered. I don't know. What what more do you want for me? You got your, you found money. That's what you asked for. So Mm -hmm. being specific, you're like, well, I need to make rent by the end of the month and I need an extra $200 and you know, some way that I'm going to find it or help make it or good intentions to make Etsy sales to meet that $200, whatever that is. Getting really clear about what it is that you want to manifest is very important. First question to ask. Mm -hmm. The second question I always ask is why do I want it and how realistic is that? I think that we all have the tendency to fall in the trap of wanting things just as a, from a materialistic standpoint of just for the sake of we're humans and we want it. And that's how our brains work. That's how our little monkey brains work. And when we put that into witchcraft, um, there for me is an ethical problem that emerges there. Um, I, I need a really clear reason of why I want it. Uh, that's not, purely selfish and silly like I don't like every spell that I do to be like I want a new expensive purse and I want the money to buy this new expensive purse and just collect 200 purses through spell work for me that just doesn't sit right in my soul
1: yeah that's not what magic or witchcraft is for for things like that people do do like I guess some people consider things selfish but like things you could literally do without magic you don't need magic for And like, you don't even need to do spells all day, every day with everything you do, but there needs to be like, these are why these questions are important. What do you need?
2: Why do you need it? Yes. Specifically why I want something, um, also helps me get way more clear with what I'm asking the universe to do on my behalf and also how realistic is it because, casting a spell for winning the 6.3 million dollar lotto is not very realistic at the end of the day because everybody is is doing that same spell honestly yes,
1: statistically <laughs> yeah
2: statistically it's not you know any b- better for you than not doing the spell at all like statistically it's lotto it's going to be the same mm-hmm. and you need to know going into something how realistic um, it's going to be to either help you set your expectations or alternatively be able to change your spell, change the wording and intention a little bit to make it a little more realistic. Mm -hmm. Which goes along with the next question is what steps do I need to do to achieve this without magic? Because we have talked about that before. And specifically the two of us have mentioned this before that you need to do the mundane work as well. The universe doesn't like it when you don't put in the the mundane work and just ask for magical assistance without doing anything for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think I've talked about this before with um, friendship specifically, because I know, especially with COVID, that was really hard to get out and make friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a very isolating time for a lot of people. And this sort of spell of trying I I want friends casting a spell for friendship yeah isn't going to be effective if you aren't putting in some sort of work so you are not going to get friends if you sit in your house all day and don't get on the internet and don't go out and don't meet anybody then the universe is not going to help you it doesn't like that you are sitting there doing nothing you have to at least you know go online join a community get outside if you can um, that will help with the friendship spell but you need to, know specifically what steps you need to take in order to achieve that outcome.
1: Exactly. And it's also another form of energy you will or have been putting into your spell because doing stuff is energy. Almost everything we do is a form of energy, but this is just like an active form of it, not just a brain power energy.
0: And another
2: good question to go along with that is, Imagining, visualizing what a good result looks like. If this spell manifested exactly how you intended and you are getting what you want, what exactly does that look like? Because um, the time is a human construct. So when you ask for something or say, "I this will happen like in the future, time only exists in our human brains the way we created it. So in the universal idea, it could be, well, I'm wishing for something in the future. And the universe takes that as 200 years from now, and Mm -hmm. it will grant it 200 years from now, but you are no longer here to benefit from that spell. So it is very important to talk about things in the present tense as if they are already happening. So visualizing the result of your spell going correctly and exactly what that good outcome would be is very important. Mm -hmm. I agree. To let the universe know that this is what it already looks like. This is happening. This is the exact good outcome that I am looking for.
1: Yeah. It's like speaking. It's a different form of speaking into uh, into reality.
2: And of course, the, uh, important thing to know and think about before you jump in is, are there any obstacles that you need to know of? And, if so, how can you remove them before you even get started? Uh, I think that's an important one to tackle because it goes along with um, doing the steps to achieve something without magic and putting in that mundane work. If there are obstacles in your way that you can remove ahead of time, it, it will just more like make the spell more likely to happen. Uh, so if the obstacle is yourself, it's good to know that going into it. So you can do a cleansing of yourself. Uh, You can get into a better state of mind if you're feeling very negatively and you're going about to do a spell um, and you're already thinking that it's not going to work or that something's going to go horribly wrong. Um, That's an obstacle that you need to fix within yourself before you go ahead um, with that spell. Uh, And any sort of physical obstacles would be one as well. Um, that could be obstacles related to what supplies you need. And it could be obstacles related to a physical space. Um, a lot of spells, if you're not doing it for yourself and you are, you found a spell in a book that you really wanted to try out and it calls for being in a graveyard at midnight, that's an obstacle because that's illegal in most places, probably Mm -hmm. everywhere. (laughs) And in general, if you are alone, not, super safe not a great idea to do that so that was would be an obstacle where you would have to figure out why that spell is calling for that and what you can do instead mhm yep and then after you have asked all of those questions <laughs> then you finally get into the question that everybody actually enjoys answering which is what supplies do you need
1: <laughs> yep it seems like a lot of questions even before you get to that point but it doesn't need to take a lot of time unless you literally don't know what you want. That is where the big gap in getting things done. If you want to do a spell for something, that's why these questions are important because if you don't know,
2: don't do a spell. Exactly. And I think it's just, if you already know that, okay, this is a time of prosperity and abundance. So I am going to do a spell related to that. Yeah. Then sitting down to journal about that and answer these questions is just going to give you a little more focus to figure out Mm -hmm. why and where, and if that was immediately what came to your mind was prosperity and abundance, you probably already have an idea Mm -hmm. of what you're looking for and why. So answering these questions shouldn't take that long and can be a really great part of your witchy daily practice. You don't have to do all of these things on the same day. You don't have to go from idea, your spell concept, all the way to spell completed in a 24 hour span. Mm-hmm. That, that usually doesn't even tap it for <laughs> anyone. Um, yeah. People really like to, you know, plan this out over a few days or weeks or months, whatever it is for, to get the timing right. Um, yeah. So doing answering these questions and brainstorming like this can be a really nice witchy part of your day, part of mm-hmm. your journaling practice. So yes, then getting into what supplies you need is everybody's favorite part because that is the candles, crystals, herbs, oils. We've talked about those in various episodes uh, of the different candle colors, all the different you know crystals and what they could mean. Uh, if you even want to do candle magic, if you prefer making a tincture of some sort, if you need a knife because you're going to be cutting up herbs, that's the actual fun part. I don't think we have to tell anybody to um, include that in part of their spell planning process. I think everybody already does that part. And also asking, you know, what supplies you need includes whether or not you're going to be working with any deities or spirits. Uh, if you're going to be asking for their assistance in working and if so, do you need any offerings for them? Um, I know alcohol is a popular one, but it really depends on the deity or spirit that you're working with. So you want to make sure that you have those supplies too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're not forgetting about any other entity that you are working with and being sure to thank them in that way for giving you assistance.
1: Yeah. But in depending on the situation, um, if you don't work with alcohol, you don't drink, or you're underage, I wouldn't recommend using alcohol or things you're not supposed to have access to. Coffee is a good um, offering I actually use really often. And, um, so don't feel like you need to have some crazy things like alcohol or like a fancy feast or a cake or a pie or something.
2: No, you can definitely use something smaller, something that's specific. Every, I have literally used Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) Okay. I don't know who would not like Girl Scout cookies. I have literally used Girl
1: Scout cookies. I was like, I don't have anything else. I got Girl Scout cookies. I got them today. They're fresh.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, I, yeah! I don't know who would turn those down. <laughs> I would like that as an offering too.
1: Yeah, I think it was meat and Girl Scout cookies at that moment.
2: <laughs> oh, so the next things to consider when planning your spell is the things that both Vaughn and I have talked about on our podcast and various episodes, and those that's things like the phase of the moon. Mm -hmm. Um, So I won't go through all of the phases because there's episodes on that that you can refer to that go way more into detail. But, you know, each phase of the moon has its own specific energy and matching your spell to that energy just gives it that extra boost. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, not a requirement for any of these. But if you have your crystals and, you know, candles, things, and you just aren't feeling... That that's enough. Uh, then yes, phase of the moon can be a great one to time it to. Uh, sun position is a, another popular one, and astrological sign, which just had the episode on zodiac signs. So should be all well-versed in those. Mm-hmm. Um, time of day is a, another popular one. Um, and there's two sort of parts to that. So sun position really refers to sunrise, noon, sunset, or at night. Whereas time of day is by hour increments and each of those 24 hour increments mean something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not done an episode on that. I don't know if I'm going to, cause I just don't know that there's enough to talk about <laughs> before yeah, maybe that could be
1: combined with like numerology in general.
2: Yeah. There, there'll be something that I have to do. would have to combine that or I'll have it over on Patreon or something. If you're really interested in wanting, knowing what each hour of the day means, but you can definitely um, incorporate that into your spell planning. And it kind of goes along with what you would think um, as related to sort of the light versus darkness mm-hmm. um, and more, darker, baneful magic, shadow worky type things. Yep. And different okay. elements also go with different times
1: of the day as well.
2: Yes. And uh, day of the week is a popular one. And we did an episode on days of the week. So you can refer to that one, uh, planetary movements. If you are a cosmic witch, really into what's going on in the universe, I'm really bad personally at planetary movement Me too. Um, I think it's fascinating uh, the, how everything works. And I I absolutely believe in the planets moving, having like some effect on your spell work. I just can't keep up with that. I just don't know enough about that. I think it's one of those areas that you can study forever and still learn something new every day. It's just a huge topic. I just learned what a
1: lion's gate was. And all of a sudden like that's popping up on social media. I'm like, what is this? Is this (laughs) a thing? It it was and I never knew.
2: And I'm like, this is new. <laughs> uh, another one to time it with is the weather. Uh, we were actually just discussing weather before we started <laughs> recording this because yeah, it is currently storming here where I'm at. Yeah, and it's going between heat wave and storming where I'm at. We had tornadoes two days ago, and it's been storming, or it's been 108 degrees, and it's just absolutely wild weather here but i actually do a lot of work with storms i like storms for the most part i mean not super destructive tornado level storms but you know thunderstorms i enjoy and i do use that type of weather um mm-hmm. in my spell work but weather in general you know rainy day versus sunny day windy all of those things you can use um, in planning your spell yep and then of course the last um piece of the puzzle would be incantations. And there are many witches who swear by this part. It's not something that they leave out and they will work on their wording until it rhymes and it perfectly flows and sounds like a poem. And I don't have that in me. Nope. Me neither. (laughs) You would think I I would because I was an English major and spent so much time writing, but I just don't have it in me to make a poem out of my spell. I think they sound beautiful when it all rhymes and flows so nicely. I'm like, oh, you're, yeah, you're a poet, but I can't do it.
1: Yeah. I just um, talked about something like that in the last episode on my podcast on the power of words. And that was one of the end things I was talking about is when you're like, say, working with writing a spell, you don't have to rhyme. If rhyming doesn't connect with you, it's not going to work because even if it sounds good, doesn't mean it portrays exactly what you're trying to say if it just doesn't feel right
2: yeah and I think that's just something that works for other people but for me it's not the Mm -hmm. most important part I don't even include spoken word in every single one of my spells yeah I have to say that's not I've always felt like if I'm putting out the energy and intention. And I know what it is, even if I'm just doing it in my mind, it's going out Mm -hmm. there. And I'm thinking clearly what it is that I want to manifest. And I don't think that my, I necessarily need to speak words every single time, um, which is very common for me, especially in quick spells. So, Mm -hmm. you know, stirring attention into my morning coffee or I do cacao ceremonies and those don't take, you know, very long. So it's just like a quick intention that it's sort of staying in my head while I'm stirring a cup of coffee or cocoa. um, So I don't feel the need to say those out loud.
1: Yeah. Or if you're writing something down and you're rolling it up and you're putting it in something and storing it, or if you're etching something into a candle or you're writing it on a bay leaf or a piece of parchment paper and burning it or... I see this Sandy on the internet, they're like, if you're trying to get someone out of your life, write their name on a piece of paper and flush it down the toilet. Like there are different ways you can use your words and it doesn't always have to rhyme and it doesn't need to be complicated or too simple. Just
2: what makes sense to you. Absolutely. And the very last step of spell planning and of course, not to worry, show notes as always will be at whichonesdays.com so you can read all of these in order uh, if we're going too fast to you. So the last thing is then, of course, to figure out what you need to do next after the spell is over, because there are a lot of different ways that a spell can end. Uh, so the there's a couple components here of what to do next. So, of course, the very ending of the spell is important. Are you burning something? Are you snuffing out the candle? Are you waiting for it to burn all the way down? Knowing mm-hmm. how you're going to get to the end of the spell, what signals the end
1: mm-hmm.
2: for you? How is that energy being released?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you the, need that energy release because you don't want it to go flat and go, and then nothing happens.
2: Or alternatively explode. Like <laughs> in all different <laughs> yeah. directions. What you're really trying to do is yeah. know, send, send it out controlled- Mm-hmm. You know, you you made your intention, so you want to send it, you know, in one direction in controlled way, that it's not exploding and going out in twelve different directions with twelve different ideas. You're trying to be very controlled with it, and that is important to know how that spell is going to release. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes it is a candle burning all the way down, but um, sometimes it's water, you know, washing away. Uh, spell bottle or piece of paper or something. Um, And it's the flowing water. Sometimes you're burying something. Uh, So you need to know how, and every spell is going to be different. Even just using a candle is not an indicator of what the end is going to be. You really have to think ahead of, you know, what is the last moment of that candle for you, for that spell.
1: Mm -hmm. And even if you're not doing stuff with like candles or you are making a jar or you're not burying something, if you're just, when you're trying to release that energy, you could also imagine it because your imagination is really strong. So if you're working for energy and if you believe that you can control that energy in your sphere, if you're working in a circle or not, if you're trying to control energy with magic, imagine that energy around you and how you release it. If you could throw your hands up in the air at the end, you can imagine it like pulsating through your hands or going through your home and spreading out where it needs to be. There's just a variety of ways to end a spell, but you need to know ahead of time or state to yourself, this is done. Or just if you're like dancing around and you stop dancing and throw your hands up or you clap, something that is a signal.
2: Yes, that the working is done. So you know, and the universe knows that that energy is released and it can do its job now. And also with what you do next after the spell is, of course, the actual physical components of that. So if you do have spell remains, what are you going to do with them? Um, I did talk about reversing a spell and how for certain spells, it's really important to keep spell remains, if you think you're going to have to reverse it. So that's something to keep in mind. If you need to keep them, where are you going to keep them? If you need to dispose of them, because that's what the spell calls for, how and where are you going to do that, you know, environmentally friendly and properly, all those considerations. Um, So that's something that you should know before going into it. Otherwise, especially if it's a more baneful working, um, those ingredients just sitting there in your house is not a good thing. That's usually not how A baneful spell ends, you really don't ever keep those things. Mm -hmm. So you need to know where they are going and how quickly they need to get to their destination. Mm -hmm. And also what personally you're going to do next. So that goes along with what steps do you need to take to achieve it without magic? Um, That's why you think about that in advance. So after you do the spell, you don't just, you know, sit back and wait for things to come. What's your next mundane step? That you're going to take after all of your spell work is done and you've dealt with any spell remains that you have, what's your next step? So, if that spell is for friendship, are you going to join an online group? Um, if that spell is for love, are you joining online dating? You need to know what your specific next mundane step is. So, those are all of the, you know, step by step what you would want to consider. Um, when you are planning your spell from start to finish. And like I said at the beginning, neither of us do all of these things. We don't include every single one of these consideration or supplies. So we are gonna tell you a little bit about our process, um, how that, you know, how we differ and how it differs um, from spell to spell Mm -hmm. of what we do. So I was going to let Fauna start and tell you what she does to plan her spells.
1: Okay. So I have talked about this on my podcast as well. So I'm just going to go over. Were like the basic things and a lot of it is really similar to what Steph said and was going over and then I pretty much just describe it slightly different or just in my own words but in general when I'm thinking of it uh, what I want I think about all the questions that she was talking about but I also kind of tie it in with the witch's head because it's to know to will to dare and to be silent and those concepts hand in hand with asking those questions and And if you know what you want, it's a lot easier to plan what you need, how you're going to do it, and when you're going to do it. Sometimes you can come up with spells relatively quickly. If you need very particular things like a particular moon, day of the week, or you need to go get supplies, this pre-planning process is really important. Um, So, yeah, you ask yourself questions. If you need to do additional research because maybe there's a spell you haven't done before, do that research because maybe there is a better or preferred way to do it. Um, And if there's maybe something you didn't know about the technique, you wanna know what you're using. If you're using a oil you've never used before, you don't wanna put an oil that is highly flammable on a candle. So you need to do this important research before you use something you don't know anything about if it's something new to you. And as you do that research and you start writing and pulling things together, just continuously think about your intention and how you're going to do it. And don't worry about the spell itself, because if you don't want to put that energy into it, but of course we all get nervous when you do something, especially if it's a new spell or if it's something that's kind of big. Yeah, we can get nervous, but don't talk down to yourself while you're doing it. Don't tell yourself it's not going to work before you even do it. Um, just going through my notes real quick. So yeah, once you have everything ready, um, clean yourself and clean your environment because if you feel good in the moment and you get all that, either energetic crud off of you or around you and also in your area so i am like a chaotic organized person and that's just the artist <laughs> person in me so even if all my laundry is not put it away my baskets are out of the way and it's not all over the floor and i guess if you have kids and their stuff's all over the place you might be able to excuse that because you can't always control the mess your children make but in general have a space that you feel comfortable working in doesn't have to be perfect or sp- like super, super clean and scrubbed before you use it, but make yourself feel energetically comfortable, but also physically comfortable because you don't want to be tripping on things either. So you're doing your spell, you get everything done. And if you've gone through the steps, You can make little mistakes. Sometimes you trip over your own words because this is where your intent is important because we have those days where you're slurring on words or something gets a little complicated and maybe you are trying to use poetry or something. And um, so those are just things to take into consideration. And once you get towards the end, like we said um, earlier, is to figure out how you're gonna raise that energy because that energy release signifies when everything is is done, but also it's just pushes it out, pushes it out into the universe. And that's the important thing because you don't want to just have it in a in an environment where that it just goes flat and then it goes nowhere. And that's just a waste of your time. But uh yeah, if you want to know specific details, you could also go to my podcast and listen to that
2: episode. Yeah, I think that's a lot of good information there. And I think that's interesting because I do a lot of those, um, similar things, uh, but it changes based on spell for me. So for some of those spells, I do what Fauna says, where I want to be in the right state of mind and have like a clean environment I am a minimalist and hyper organized so I think all of my environment is clean like all of the time oh yeah make sure your emotions are in check as well (laughs) yeah see that's what that's what I was going to say where I think that we differ so my emotions are in check for certain spells that I do when like um, I do a lot of protection for my home and the people in it you know abundance spells. But when I do baneful magic, I'm totally fine with working in a highly emotional state. And I don't, um, do things on a whim. I think that is bad planning for baneful magic, where you're like, so angry and like heated in the moment. Mm-hmm. But then if you just like, you know, calm down in an hour, you would regret what you did. Yeah, um, so I definitely exactly. don't mean that, but I do think when I do baneful magic, it's like directed at somebody who has done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about this on Patreon that I just did a break and cut spell with a toxic person in my life who we can't it's family. So it can't like get rid of them completely, but like I needed to break my emotional, like ties to her and just get some separation between us. Um, and make her sort of see, like understand like what she did wrong and like how she like treats people. So while I am doing that spell, I let my anger like feed into that candle and that energy and what I was doing. And I just sort of like, let it build. And I let all of my anger, you know, negative emotion, emotions towards her feed into that spell. So some people don't like to work that way. Some people really want the entire spell to be, you know, calm and peaceful and in the right state of mind. Um, I do think it's important not to lash out in anger to do something like that. But, um, yeah, when I have a baneful, more baneful working like that, I just let my energy feed. And I feel like that's also an emotional release for me is that I'm putting all of these, this negativity and anything that I'm feeling towards her into that candle, into that spell. And I am releasing it, you know, the break and cut part of that, but, um, you know, also sending that negativity like back towards her, where it came from and it all started. So I don't necessarily feel the need to, you know, cleanse myself before that or be calm or have like a completely calm, organized environment. Those are times where I let my emotions sort of rule. And I don't, um, haven't had any negative consequences to that. I have had negative consequences when I do like lash out in anger and like you do something you know, really quickly within, you know, an hour of being heated and being in the moment. But when, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I calm down for an hour, then it hits me that like, maybe that wasn't a good idea, but yeah, for sometimes when I do baneful workings, I just let that emotion build and it's a good release for me.
1: Yeah. And it definitely does depends on the situation in which you're doing. And if it's something that's not like detrimental Um, We can get emotion because emotions are important and we definitely can use those. But you also need to allow yourself to process. Like if someone, say someone breaks up with you in two minutes later, you're already doing a spell to get back at them. That might be too soon. Yeah. But if you break up with someone and they are being abusive or if they're harassing you or if they're just being an overall ass. Um, then maybe give it an hour to see what they're doing, do the mundane things to prevent that. And if it's baby continuously going, then maybe you can throw in the spell along with the restraining order or blocking them or whatever things that you can do.
2: Yeah. And I think in terms of a breakup, like, you know, doing some spell within two minutes after the breakup on yourself to make yourself feel better, you know, yeah. that's, that's okay. Those are, yeah channeling the emotions that way is great, but to, you know, hurt them in some way, just because they hurt you, um, tends to, you know, backfire and you regret it. So that's a time to, you know, not let your emotions in, but if you're, you know, a week out and, you know, there's still like negative emotions and you need to do some sort of spell to let them go and get that out of your life. Um, then again, that's a spell that you can really feed your emotions into and release it that way.
1: And not everything that everyone considers baneful doesn't mean it's actually like a bad thing. I guess if you consider everything black and white, yeah, anything that isn't love and peace is going to be considered baneful. But anything that's like banishing or freezing or cord cutting, if it's to help or protect you or someone else that may have requested it or you are like active with that, I guess if you want to call it baneful because it's not love and light induced, but
2: yeah, you don't could like don't feel bad either. about things
1: like that either, because that's people will be like, well, is that bad or is that black magic? Protecting yourself is not bad. Maybe if the spell works in a way to where that person gets arrested for stalking or arrested for harassment or whatever, just examples that I'm thinking of, and that works in your favor, that the universe decided that for you, and you just did what you needed to protect yourself. So don't feel bad if they actually are doing things to.
2: Earn you know, it's a negative those consequence sort of, of things of their own actions.
1: yeah <laughs> so that's not from you that's from them being a butt
2: <laughs> yes but uh that is something to consider in your spell planning as well because we've talked about that that every single spell is likely going to affect someone else we like to believe that you know the love and light especially that you know, this job to there this spell to get the job that you want only affects you in a positive way, but it doesn't because you know, somebody else wanted that job and you prevented them from getting it. So yep. whatever you do is going to have some sort of effect on other people. So that's an important part of the spell planning is to decide where you stand on that yeah. scale. Um, and it really is a scale it is not black and white. Yep. Um, it's a gray scale and you have to decide where you stand and figure out what the possible outcomes could be. Mm -hmm. And if you are okay with those.
1: Yep. And even if it's an outcome you did not expect, you need to know ahead of time, if it doesn't turn out exactly how I wanted it, how am I going to feel? And if you don't know, if it doesn't go how you want it perfectly, maybe that's another reason not to do this spell or part of your planning process and maybe changing something up as well.
2: And part of the... Reason to go back and listen to spell reversals because maybe yeah, <laughs> if it has an unintended consequence, then maybe you needed to keep those spell remains or listen to that on know how you're going to reverse it. Um, yeah, and I said that in the health, safety, and protection episode too. Is that you shouldn't um, get into any situation without knowing how to get yourself out. Yeah. So another important part of spell planning is if it goes wrong. Yeah. If you need to reverse it, there's an unintended outcome. Do you know how to get yourself out of that situation?
1: Or the same thing if things don't work out the way you expected or like the rare occasion something bounces back or just doesn't work. People have, if you know a lot of other witches, they can have wards up. They could have protection up. So maybe they were harassing you, but you wanted to do a banishing spell or a freezer spell, but they had their, they had their shit together to reflect anything to come at them. That's also something you might need to account for as well. I think. I hear about this on the internet. It's like, oh, so-and-so is a witch and they're messing up my life. How do I do it? Or how do I know it's not going to come right back at me? And I'm like, how many witches do these people know? And how many people are getting pissed off at them? I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) What is going on that this many people are angry at you and all of them are witches?
2: (laughs) I know. And I I said that in um, the health and safety episode too, that um, we all... It really, witches should all know how to protect themselves. Yeah, so like why we would send anything like negative to another witch, like is like beyond me because it, it's gonna come back at you. Like there's gonna it's gonna go wrong somehow because we know what we're doing. So yeah. I don't know why you would try uh, any yeah. anything like that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: avoid, literally avoiding drama with witches is probably the safest thing you can do in a witch community. If you don't
2: like them, just don't talk to them. Just leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's exactly how I feel. I haven't had any like drama between yeah. witches, like thankfully. Um because I feel like both of us have really great communities that listen to our Podcast and interact with us. <laughs> so,
1: this is another um, thing about safety and not always necessarily telling everybody you're a witch either or um, just how you do things. Just like there's a lot of things you got to think about is who you tell you are a witch and who is a witch around you and don't trust everyone. Not every witch is a good witch. Not no. every witch is Glenda
2: the Good Witch. Sometimes we have some wicked witches of the West. Yes. Yeah. We absolutely do. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I didn't, haven't had any you know, super negative ones or bad interactions. But uh, if you are interested in that, there is a really fun uh, YouTuber. Her name is Ginny Metherill and I'll link her because You'll never get the spelling from how your name is is pronounced, um, but she is fantastic. But she was showing, I think maybe a month or two ago, um, that she was like attacked in her home, like psychically, by another witch. But she had like protections up, and she was like explaining like what happened and what she's doing instead. And it was a really interesting series of videos to watch. And I'm like, gee, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Yep, it's insane. But I guess that's what happens when you put, you know, your witchy life on YouTube yeah. and get into drama with other witches, like. And not that she did but this witch like just came after her i mean it it, it happens it's not nice it's not i don't know why we do this but yeah but also not every witch
1: that doesn't agree with you on the internet or you have an argument over on like either reddit or like facebook pages not every witch on the internet is going to be able to hex you just from a picture and maybe your name on the internet it might be a little harder to do it or someone's just really advanced if they can But don't be afraid that every person you have an argument with is going to automatically put a curse on you. Like, no, no, don't worry about that either. That's going overboard. And I feel like a lot of new witches or if they call themselves baby witches, um, that's one of the things they worry about often is like, oh, I had an argument with someone online and is my name or my profile picture or the fact that I shared my astrological chart, is that going to be a reason they could hex me? It's like, probably not. They probably are threatening it or it's just as
2: silly as
1: someone saying they're going to hex the moon.
2: Yeah, I think the, I would say like the more baneful a spell is. So like the more ill they're wishing on you, the more concrete ties they're going to have to you. So they are going to need actual tag locks to make that spell like a lot. effective. They're going to need your hair or your nail clippings, something way more personal than just your name and your birth chart. Yeah. Especially could if they, they don't know you. Yeah. Because they don't know you. Could they inconvenience you with just your name and your birth chart? Probably. Maybe. But yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe but, but you could just be having a bad
2: day and
1: it's nothing to
2: do with it. We all have bad days. Yeah. Maybe they could, you know, give you a bad hair day, but I have bad hair days for absolutely no reason. So, uh, that I haven't even done anything wrong or gotten into a beef anybody. I still have a bad hair day. So sometimes, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned that anything really negative is going to happen because Mm -hmm. they have your name for for sure. But yeah.
1: So there's just a lot of little details and things when it comes to spells and everything. And it does come from experimentation. So do spells or practice or do different things, and maybe just do little things. You don't have to do it all day every day, but maybe once a week you do a prosperity spell for yourself, or maybe do like a, what are those pots that simmer pots like put your intentions into a simmer pot and maybe change it up or do something different and see what works and what doesn't work. Because some people might have good luck with candle magic, some people work with jars, some people work with different style of magic, and so. I use a combination of something. I am slowly trying to experiment with different things. Um, And so you do have to experiment. So like, sometimes I feel like when I say you don't have to do spells all day, every day and you don't even do them like often, often, but at the same time, you still wanna do
2: stuff because then that's how you learn. Yeah, and I think that again, keeping written accounts in, in some form of what you're doing can be really helpful when you're reading over this list of okay moon phase candle crystal sun position astrological sign time of day what the weather is that's too much for a brand new spell that you've in a working you've never done before mm-hmm. so i think just take those one at a time a lot of which is when they get into it tend to know what mediums we like to work with like if you are a candle person you know you're a candle person and if you collect crystals, you know that you collect crystals. Those are things that sort of call to you right away. Yeah. Um, and definitely go with that. If you walk into an occult store or you're browsing online and you are just drawn to the crystal section, very first thing, like just mm-hmm. go with that, Let embrace that part of you. Yeah. Um, and if you're not, and if you never pick up a crystal in your life, but th- that's fine too. You're going to find something that you embrace. Like maybe you are candle or tarot cards or something else, or not really drawn to tools at all. And you're just casting spells energetically. So definitely know that those things will come, but then as far as things like moon phases, sun position, time of day, I would say experiment with those one at a time Yeah, uh, to figure out what works best for you. I've mentioned on this podcast before I recognize the full moon and the new moon, but as far as the other phases, they don't really, um, affect my spell work in a big way. I don't really pay. I mean, I kind of know in general what the phase of the moon is in, but that's not something that guides my spell. Like when yeah. I name it, I use that more moon. for like really building up to something larger, maybe yeah, like building like, up
1: and cooling down phase.
2: Yeah. Sort of like a, like a month long goal, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, setting that intention at the new moon and letting it grow and build and then releasing that for something like that. But otherwise yeah. if I'm you know, need to do some sort of like, if I need to do a protection spell, I don't necessarily wait until the right phase of the moon to do protections. I just time it to something, um, that speaks more to me. Yeah. Uh, I really work well with days of the week, okay? Uh, because I know that like Tuesdays are really the worst. I've talked about this in the podcast before Tuesdays are the worst day of the week. I don't care what anybody says about Mondays, Tuesdays are absolutely the worst. And that is true because it's, like Mars day and everybody's like at war and it's just a hard day. And if I don't have a particularly combative painful spell, I don't do them on Tuesdays. Cause I just know the energy of Tuesday doesn't work for me. <laughs> if it's a painful spell, then Tuesday is great. But other than that, like Tuesdays just don't work for me. So I find, um, days of the week really works. Uh, sun position doesn't bother me too much. Um, other than doing it before afternoon. Yeah. So- light or dark time of the day. Um, But I don't wait for like the moon to get into a specific zodiac sign or a specific phase. Those tend to um, not be high on my list for spell planning.
1: Yeah, when it comes to some other things, the only, like, I guess you can consider astrological or moon related. I do work more with like the phases, but when it comes to more of like the positioning of things, I will mostly know if the moon's in voiding course or not. And I don't strictly work with the Zodiac and the stars too much, but I, my tradition, at least it's like, at least don't work with it when it's in between a phase, like get a full astrological sign. Cause if it does affect it, you could have waited at least a few hours here or there to like, could have
2: made a difference. Right. And I don't know that I specifically mentioned that on the podcast before. So if you're wondering what moon void, of course, means, it Mm -hmm. means the moon is not aligned with any astrological sign because it's changing from one to the other. So yeah, it can last for anywhere from a few hours to up to a day and a half, depending. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not too long to wait until it's fully into its new astrological sign because it moves pretty quickly through them. Um, but yeah, that's, that's when I haven't really, um, paid too much attention to. Yep. Interesting. Maybe i look, look into that the next time. Um, see if that has any effect on my spells. And then yeah, I do take them
1: every day.
2: I do take weather into account because I do like working with storms. So when yeah. winter, I'm not, you know, in Seattle or the UK, so storms aren't as common, um, as if like some coastal cities that have mm-hmm. storms kind of rolling through all the time, uh, here in the Midwest, we have, you know, seasons of mm-hmm. it being stormy, uh, weather. So when a th- good thunderstorm rolls through, I make sure that I'm, I'm noting that and collecting storm water doing whatever spell it is that I need. Cause I really like storm energy. Yeah. Um, so weather in that regard rain in general affects me, mm-hmm. um, but other than not like sunshiny days. I don't particularly do anything for sunshine days. Cause that's like a lot of them right now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, There's- but also we're in like a muggy time of the year and that doesn't feel great. No, it we're talking doesn't. about that before we jump and how it's muggy where I'm at and how it's like sticky and hot and she's getting all like the tornado and the windy weather. Yeah. And it's just, it walking out the door, it feels like okay. I'm going swimming in a hot tub. I don't like it at yes. all. I have uh, to walk into the, my work building and it takes a little bit because the parking lot's really big and I will literally prefer to be late and take a shuttle to work because if I walk in a building I'm already stinking after just taking a shower. It's the same thing with magic. I don't want to be gross and icky feeling
2: when I'm working on something. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad out there now and that is something not specifically for the weather, but I do take into account how it makes me feel because mm-hmm. if I particularly like, you know, I, I went out and went in it and I'm feeling gross and icky and all around, it's just not good for my mood. I yeah. don't come home and do some sort of spell that requires, you know, positivity and good energy. So I'm just like, I don't have that right now.
1: So. Yeah. Like if I got rained on and I came in soaking wet, yeah, I'm not working with rain. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. So those, those things are important too. just recognize how you feel. Yeah. Um, and it, which is fine to put something off the yeah. moon comes back around. The sun comes back around the zodiac signs come back around. So if you there's always another day, the next day. Yeah. If you have something scheduled and you just are not feeling it that day, you are not tied to do it. Don't mm-hmm. go wasting your energy. Yep. And, and if you're just not
1: feeling good in general, if you're tired or you're feeling ill, so not just emotions, but if you're feeling ill or tired, because spells can be draining, even if you ground, like you
2: are still using energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So don't feel pressured, like, just because you planned it out perfectly and oh, it's, you know, this day and this hour and then it comes and you're just not feeling it. Don't, don't even bother. It'll come back around again. It'll line up again. Yeah. You shouldn't be stressed about
1: doing a spell, especially if you're doing a spell, a spell, a spell that you're already stressed about something else. So you shouldn't be adding on to that stress.
2: Yeah. I think you should in the beginning, when you're first learning how to plan these out, start small, just pick one or two things. Like if the moon really speaks to you, then just look at the phases of the moon and work on it that way of what each phase means. If Zodiac really speaks to you, figure out what each sign means and do your spell within that, that zodiac sign, just pick the one or two things that really interest you, write that down and, you know, choose a spell that is something that you might do often. Like for me, um, I do protections often. I like protecting my house and myself and my husband is a firefighter. So I like doing protections for mm-hmm. him when he goes off into the world and refreshing those. So when I have a spell like that, that I know I do numerous times, then a good way for me to check what works best is to change one thing the next time that I do it Mm -hmm. and just change up that one ingredient. Like maybe it's a different crystal. Maybe I do it on a different day of the week. Just change up one different thing and write it down and see how that go back and look at my notes and see how that worked out and see what differences tend to work better for me. Yeah.
1: Are there any specific books that you use that you like reference a lot that you think would be really like handy for anyone that is like, Oh, where, if I do research, where would I, uh, what do you use?
2: I think it depends on the type of spell. So for me, if I am just planning something that I've, you know, done before, and it's, it's in my normal realm of spellcraft, then I either already know the information or have it in my book of shadows Mm -hmm. and it came from one of like my trusted sources. And I always have those linked on which Wednesdays, but it's the ones that kind of my path follows. Um, so that's, um, and sword by, uh, Christopher Oropello and Tara Love McGuire, um, utterly wicked by Dorothy Morrison. Um, I just finished of blood and bones by Kate Mm -hmm. Browler, I think is how you pronounce your last name. It's German. I'm not sure. And I love it. And I'm going to reference that like a million times for my spell planning. Cause there's so much information in that, that I didn't know before, but totally fits into what I do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those threes were, um, uh, oh, and, um, stick stones, roots and bones by Stephanie Rosebird. Those are things that are contained within my book of shadows that I reference a lot. That's where a lot of my information came from in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so those definitely, and if it's something that's completely new to me, or I'm going to branch out into something completely different, that's when I turn to Google searching, YouTube podcasts. And yep. I look for, um, a person, a witch online who is versed in that particular subject matter. Yep. So if I, I don't work with the Fae or I haven't really worked with the Fae because yeah, I'm a little bit in there. my house. So if I were going to work with the Fae, I would look online for a fairy witch yeah, and then go to what does she recommend? How did she study? And then go look at those books.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What about you? What are your favorite resources or how do you find um, your
0: resources?
1: Yeah. I, if it's something new, I'll de- definitely do research on it. Like You do podcasts, books that I haven't gotten before, I'll order something new. But uh, like I was telling you earlier before I hopped on for us to record, I was pulling out my reference books. Yes. Um, So I just have ones that I use a little more often. And I don't always take at least the ones that are more like spell spell books. I use them as a reference to form my own to make it match better. But I do reference them because they have like really cool ideas. So I have one book that was actually one of the first spell books I got. And this was like Right when I started to identify as a witch, but like years after I had already been involved with like the occult and other stuff like that. So one of them is called Magical Spells for Your Home, and that is by Anne-Marie Gallagher. I have cunningham's encyclopedia of magical herbs and this is a great friend's book if you are using herbs literally like there's herbs that you will have in your kitchen and things you've probably never heard before but it also has different associations of if you're working with like masculine or feminine energy planets the elements if it's used more for protection or if it's more for What's another example? Uh, this is a great book uh,
0: yeah, for like money
1: specifically. So this has like correspondence in the back and everything. It's an amazing book. Even if you're not a fan of Cunningham or someone like Buckland, like it's still a great book. And then there is a book that's been very popular um, recently. It's called Moon Magic by uh, Aurora Kane. And then I have um, Solitary Witch by Silver Ravenwolf. And People also have issues with Silver Raven Wolf, but it doesn't mean these sources are not good sources. They're great sources. And this book is literally a textbook. It's a textbook. This has, that's just part 500. It's part pages (laughs) because it's been a while. Okay, this has, if you can hear me flipping through, this has over 500 pages. Wow, no pictures. All words. And then if you're into crystals and crystal magic, I love this book, but you might have to find either a new version of it or a used version of it. It's called Love is in the Earth. Um, And it's, I think the name of the writer just says by Melody. It's an older book and there's no pictures in it, but it's a really descriptive crystal book and it tells you quite a bit. So if you're into crystals, look into this book. Um, I have uh, the big blue book, uh, Buckland's Complete Book of Witchcraft. That's just good for referencing a lot of things. I have a two candle magic books and it's um, Candle Magic by Lady Passion and then another one by Buckland. It's called Practical Candle Burning Rituals. And this one, if you are on the cusp of like a Christian witch or someone who is just transitioning from their Christian roots into witchcraft, or maybe you can use that as a way to meld into your own thing, it has a two like part thing for spells there's like a christian version of a spell and then there's like a witch pagan version of a spell
2: oh that's really
1: interesting that's really cool and the last one is another more just like reference on like just like the ur book but it's on oils and this is a good one and it's called the complete book of essential oils and aromatherapy and this is by valerie ann woodward So these are my go-tos and then everything else I have is either from experience, um, coven work, or just any other research I've been provided from other people by asking questions that I'm close with. So certain things we just kind of keep to ourselves or within our own group. So if you have that sort of community and you are either in a coven or you're on a witch community, use them as sources too. They are also very helpful because if they have different experience and different things, you don't just solely have to rely on the internet unless you are, not in the position to be in a coven or have a group or have shopped by you. And the internet is your source of that community. So that's okay
2: as well. Yeah, absolutely. I will uh, have these books linked um, at which So if you are looking for them, all, all the ones that I can find links for. So <laughs> to help you out, if you're if on any one of those that sounded interesting to you, mm-hmm. uh, try to make that as easy for you as possible um, but yeah I stock a good amount of reference books but I do I think a lot of the like original reference books that I had like I just transferred a lot of the like my most used information into mm. my book of shadows yeah um, and then I don't still have the physical book mm. I think I've done that with a lot of them because there's just something about writing it with my own like yeah. hand that can yeah I do it to that too. but I'm a bookworm. yeah I'm I am not. <laughs> I don't hoard anything. I mean probably crystals, but even that is maybe like 20. Yeah. I don't I am really minimalist in a lot of, in absolutely everything um except Halloween decorations. Yeah. That's that'll be up on uh, Instagram soon. I'm sure because yes, I've already started. Yeah. It's spooky season. Spooky season starts in August. If a holiday
1: season, and I tweeted this
2: the other day, if the holiday season can get three months, spooky season can also get three months. That's (laughs) right. That's right. My spooky season started uh, August 1st. I start decorating. So that's the only place that I'm not minimal, but I don't keep um, a lot of books. I just keep a lot of like I took a lot of the information that I referenced over and over again and just wrote it in my own handwriting. And then when I write something down, it's just committed to my brain. Yeah.
1: And that's good if you do something like your, most of your sources are online, or if you go to libraries and you can't keep books, write things down. This is another reason why writing things down is important. Yes. (laughs) Books can be expensive, but also you could find some great notes, almost like the Half-Blood Prince kind of thing. If you go to used bookstores, people will write in these books.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I like getting them used. I like to see people's notes in the margins. yeah, yeah, thrift stores are a good place to, to find used. I mean, it takes longer to, to hunt for witchy books in a thrift store, but it's still really fun if you find them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think that was everything on my list to chat about spell planning for an hour. (laughs) Yeah we could literally keep going but i know we could have so much more um but again i will have this list of you know important questions to ask yourself step by step to start planning your spell and some considerations um over at which wednesdays and i will have all of fauna's information to linked so you can find her as well and if you have any questions for her direct those her way yep do you have anything you'd like to add before we head out um, besides
1: an apology, just in case there's some noise in the background, I had some maintenance done in my apartment. So I apologize to you guys, but you get us when it's really real. You'll hear uh, my cat in the <laughs> background or my chair squeaking. You're probably hearing, but
2: we're trying to be re- be real for you guys. And <laughs> yeah, my dog was just digging in the couch next to me. So I'm sure you heard that her little nails scratching on the couch <laughs> or the storm that I,
1: that just came through in my area. It was thundering. Ooh, so you might get a little spooky sounds in the background too, along with maintenance and door slamming. Fun. Uh, we are
2: real people. Yeah. Think of it like having a ghost in there with us.
1: Oh, that's all. I'll do. If it's any noise. It's, oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. It's just a ghost. It's a maintenance ghost.
2: <laughs> well, that is all we have for you this week. I will link everything I possibly can. And uh, thank you, Fauna, for being here.
0: Wonderful. Yep, no problem. As always. And I will see everyone else next week. Need even more witchcraft? Subscribe to Patreon for exclusive bonus content three times a week and order Sabbath boxes and other supplies at WitchWednesdays.com. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast.